edition of Tales from the East End, episode number 14. Now we're going to talk about Derry and Galway, uh, the upcoming Cork City Forest co-op Hibernian Bohemian Celtic game and an interview with Paul Dunster Donahue and questions from the East End with Darren Meenan. Now I'm Gary Parsons and as usual is the prof Carl Riley is right beside me. Hello. Um, we're going to jump straight into this. Uh, last week's Larry interview had mixed reactions and like we said before it was just an insight into the scene that exists Within Irish football, and we just thought that I might make an interesting piece. And we knew people wouldn't be happy with it. We knew some people would, and it's just a chance that we took. Um, what, what do you think, Riley? You want to add to that? Yeah, that, those are my thoughts. We we tried something different. Obviously, it wasn't for everyone. We knew that'd be the case, but we we want to cover all aspects of the club. You know, good or bad, whatever your point of view. And like, if nothing else, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's it. We got. We got quite a few more listens than usual so um it was our most listened to shows since March 9th our wildly popular Tomer and Trevor episode yeah over Jesus we, we won't reveal our figures but we very popular episode mm-hmm. um we're hoping to get the scoop on the origins of the ultras soon so stay tuned for that but that's what we do here at Tales from the East End. we take chances we live on the edge <laughs> in uh in Bunkrana we actually got an impromptu history lesson from Forky as to where the name Nari came from but then Ray Whelan jumped in. Yeah. And uh, he came over and said, no, this is where I came from. We really have to find out the origins of this because there's there's so many different stories now. Ray was determined he knew what what the story was, so we'll have to have uh, a chat with him. Well, we have a, we have a special guest coming up in a couple of weeks and uh, I think he can reveal all. I think so, yeah. Uh, straight on to the game. We lost 3-1 to Derry in Bokrana in an entertaining affair. Uh, we spoke to 12-can Carl Carnes. About the game on the GTSC bus. Now we're on our way back from McGinn Park. A 3-1 loss. Controversial circumstances. Um, the Gary Twig Supporters Club bus. We're talking to Carl Cairns. Carl, what's your thoughts on the game? Quite disappointing. Uh, I thought we started off fairly well. Um, seemed to be relatively comfortable until they scored a goal. We were applied, obviously, with a great goal from Graham Bork. But... Uh, then to consider such a soft goal in half time was it was a, it was a hammer blow, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was very disappointing. Even still, I thought we were in the game. And, but Controversial circumstances as well with the goal disallowed. We'll have to watch it back. I, I've, I've no idea why it was disallowed. Yeah, not uh, like anyone does. Someone seemed to have uh, indicated it was a linesman that uh, disallowed it, but I couldn't see it. There was no certainly no foul on the goal. Team, and it was, it was a late no. call as well. We were still celebrating, and I then know. that was the worst thing. We were celebrating, and uh, no, the Derry fans tweeted it before we did, which was the worst. Yeah, thing. no, it wasn't great at all. But um, so Galway on Monday. Um, do you think we can kick on and, and get the three points there? It's important to be do because we've a tough run of fixtures coming up. Obviously with Cork, but. Cork coming up and then we've uh, who's the next one after that? Uh, who's after we've Cork? Cork we've passed relatively soon as well. so yeah, it is a tough so, one yeah. in the games so yeah it's important that we do kick on now that was Carl uh, he spoke well considering he had a couple of gallons of Galahad floating around his innards yeah thanks Carl made a 
made the, the long, long journey to and from Bunkrana yeah, it was a lot long. easier. That bus driver, wasn't it? He's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's going to be two trips to Donegal in the space of a month, so. Up to the Harps the next, yeah. isn't it? I haven't missed a game this season, aside from the Leinster Senior Cup in Kilkenny, but that second trip to Donegal, that is going to test me. No, I think so. We have a bag of cans and you'll be alright. Uh, the early McAniff goal was an absolute cracker, let's be honest. Um, but the defending just before it was very, it was really poor for me. I, I, I thought it should have been the ball should have been cleared. And I mean, the last person you want the ball breaking to is that guy because he could strike a ball. You had to hype him up on last week's show, didn't you? I know. Yeah, I'm cursing. I'm, I'm, I'm cursed, Mikey, and it's a bad omen at times. But um, yeah, no, he, he struck it really well. He's a good player. The Graham Burke goal was sublime. Such a hard thing to do. Strike the ball that's coming at you at pace and on the volley, straight into the top corner. It was gorgeous. What a goal! Yeah, yeah. he was. That made him our top goal scorer going into the Galway game, and it was two crackers and two penalties he had at that stage. Remember the Dundalk one? Yep. We scored some cracking goals this season, didn't we? Yeah, McAllister against Harps. Finn against Harps. That was a cracker as well. Yeah. Uh, lovely the way Shaw set him up as well. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk more about Shaw in the latter part of the show. Um, Bit of a Shaw love in this week. Mm. Uh, McNamee, just before half time, awful, awful time to concede. It's up there with my hatred of conceding set pieces. So if you see me in Turner's Cross frothing at the mouth and snarling like a rabid dog, it's because we've conceded from a set piece on the stroke of half time. I absolutely hate it. Yeah, two goals in first half injury time in Bray, remember that? Yeah, oh, it drives me nuts, especially from set pieces. Um, we move on to the disallowed goal, which was an absolute disgrace. It was a perfectly legitimate goal. Connolly allowed it. Like I said, the ref allowed it, the line out disallowed it, and uh, the call was, was very late. To, it it seemed very late, anyway, to, to let us know that it was disallowed. Connolly pointed to the centre circle. We're all celebrating. Gone mad. Although, to be honest, at the back of my mind, as I was bopping the bell, I was thinking, Too you know what? True. this is going to be disallowed. Oh, man. And of course, because of where we, where the stadium is sectioned, we're right beside the dairy fans. And we couldn't see the actual lines. He was on our side, wasn't he? It was hard to see anything. In that yeah, game, it's a terrible view, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think, as you said, you saw the looks in their faces. Oh, and then disgusting. it dawned on you. I mean, celebrating right beside the dairy fans, and then reality sets in. We realise the goal is disallowed. And, I mean, you, then you begin your walk of shame. Back to the spot where you're watching the game because you ran 30 yards to celebrate. <laughs> And then you realise it's no goal. But like, let's describe what happened. Mide, I think it was a free kick that had gone in initially. But then Mide lobs the ball over. Mm-hmm. Doherty runs into his own player. Yep. The Derry player who blocked Doherty pushes Shaw away from the keeper. Which is a foul on Shaw. If anything, was a penalty. Yeah. Like, absolutely robbed of a point. Yeah. Shocking. Do you know, we could have went out to win it. And yeah. Anything can happen after that. You know, it's... It was a. It was really hard to take, really bitter pill to swallow, and uh, the penalty we gave away in the 90th minute. I think it was. Let's be honest, Heaney was at fault again, and it was very similar to the Pats game. It seemed like a poor decision and poor timing. So, young Sean isn't uh, isn't isn't nothing's going right for him at the moment. Yeah, he launched in, but Curtis did make the most for like that. Yeah, but any striker would have. There was contact that right. over that outstretched leg. Strikers love them nowadays, don't they? Yeah, there was minimal contact. Unlike the Maguire one, I think I still think it was just a dive. Yeah. But this one, there was contact. He stupidly lunged in with his knee, 
at least it was the last minute and the game was over in this case unlike Pats you know was it the 34th minute yeah it was hammer blow and uh, Cordes is officially on the Tales from the East End list of hatred smirking and smiling at us and then he gave us the wanker gesture proceeding to lob bits of muck at us I mean it was red card straight away he should have been red card Connolly bottled it and you could see it on his face he was nervous he, he the situation got to him I mean Chris Turner got sent off for making a gesture to fans recently in a reserve game and um, and I saw one as well that, uh, many years ago David Healy was sent off for making a gesture in a Northern Ireland game to his own fans so he got two yellow cards because he kicked down the corner flag and then he made a gesture to his own mm. fans but the ref was from the foreign so he didn't understand <laughs> but it was it was a like it was a rude gesture like he he abused us with his hands so that sounds terrible but um no like he he did he made a wank a wanker gesture it's been at us and then tr- like attempted to lob muck balls at us so it's definitely it had to have been a red card i mean if he had gave us the finger it would have been a red card you know what i mean if he gives the two fingers it would have been a red card so it's I can't remember last time I was seeing just pantomime acting. Because, like, he, he hob- got up, hobbled, got down and rolled, stood up immediately and called us wankers. Yeah, no, he'll be getting dogs abuse when he gets to Tala. Absolute dogs abuse. Well, Alan Keane's retired now, so we, we needed someone yeah, to step no, up to the plate there. Yeah, he is officially on top of the list of hatred. Uh, Tomer made a good save in the second half to keep us in it. That actually... It, it seemed like a camera save at the time in the ground but when you watch it back it was actually a really really good save yeah it was good it was going top corner so uh, good to see Tom are doing that did you see the LOI weekly podcast quiz no no uh, I, I sent you the link in between uh, Johnny Ward and oh we did yeah yeah blatant was, plagiarism yeah did you see what their tiebreaker question was no it was to spell Tomer's name the the whole lot yeah and they're still pronouncing it wrong on Soccer Republic. They just can't get it. You think they'd ask. They're pronouncing it differently every week. We yeah. should probably tweet them. The trip to Donegal was great itself. Now, the very picturesque drive and little town. So, a uh, sleepy little town that the, the stadium was in. McGinn Park itself was decent. Brutal view, but a nice little ground. Yeah, the the views out the window of the bus were interesting. There was lakes, boats. There were weird giant wooden sculptures. <laughs> yeah, and there was all sorts, wasn't there? Yeah. And the Hoops SC bus was bricked. Yeah, so uh, can't blame the local Dirty Yobbos anymore, so um, no. Dirty City fans. Even when we don't play in Dirty, it happens. Yeah, there you go. Proof was in the pudding. I think you mentioned our driver got lost a couple of times. Yeah, certainly did. Wouldn't listen to instructions. Took a crazy route on the way back. Do you know when we were coming home, he stopped in front of two roads that diverged for a minute and just stopped and stared at it. <laughs> like as if, if we made the wrong turn... It would lead us through the dark woods and certain death. <laughs> it was a it was a life and death decision. Yeah. Um, we got the chicken burgers and they were brutal. What did you get? Yeah, I got a cheeseburger. No, terrible. Average. Brutal stuff. It was twelve euro in. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. That was great. Uh, uh, my young lad was free in, so that was pretty cool. And they were taking sterling and euros. Yeah, taking the whole lot. As uh, as as Jason Maloney suggested, they'd probably take yen as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's from McGinn Park. Uh, dairy fan Kevin McDade said that we were the first set of away fans to make some noise at McGinn Park. Yeah, that's that's uh, we're not surprised there. I mean, we're a vocal bunch. I mean, it is better than some grounds, it's still better than Jordan's ground, but I'd say it is difficult to generate an atmosphere there. What's it used for? Is it used week in, week out? Is there a team that plays there? I think the yeah. Inishon something, is it? 
Yeah, I think it's non-league football. Yeah. And uh, our own McDerry Ferris was a brave man, climbing up that dodgy-looking ladder to the press box. Yeah, the scaffold. It looking wasn't it? Not the best he view. He was up there, was he? Yeah. Not the best view, either. He had a scaffold and a pole in the way, so yeah, no. double whammy. Uh, and the Brandywell is completely demolished. Um, yeah, sort of. John Connolly was up there taking photos, another hooper, and it's completely gone. It's massive uh, reconstruction going on there. And at half time, it was, it was like a, a train crossing, wasn't it? Because uh, the barriers were put up between the two parts of the ground, waiting for the players to come out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can yeah. walk back over to the harbour section. Waiting for the to go up. And the stewards had ejection stewards written on the back of their Yeah, their and tops. you know what? Funnily enough, there was. Um, there was, had, a bit, there was a bit of an incident with the, with the guards and uh, I overheard a guard say we have no power in here those lads in the blue are the ones who will deal with you yeah that was a strange one ejection steward ejection steward you yeah. had one job and you didn't eject anyone <laughs> and uh, ironically in the dairy programme there was a quiz game with Darren Meenan yeah the, I found that very strange they're quizzing the opposition players the very man that we quizzed this week mm. it's weird though isn't it I mean you'd go for your own players but it was strange that we quizzed him this week but mm-hmm. to quiz the opposition players I mean I, I thought it was a bit strange but maybe we should attempt to do that and then like get a hold of like Carl Shepard and just take the piss out of him say yeah uh, so uh, Carl did you keep the receipt for your hair job <laughs> just kid, just take the piss out of him <laughs> so we have questions from the East End coming up sponsored by Peachtree East where you can get fresh bread scones pastries all this stuff is made on site Dinner, brunch, lunch, supper, breakfast, all that stuff. And they even make their own mayonnaise. And damn good coffee. Do you take sugar in your coffee? Carl, I'm not satisfied till the spoon stands straight up. Okay, I'm here with questions from the East Stands with uh, Darren Meenan. So, question one. How many League of Ireland clubs have you played for? Nine. Yeah, sorry. When did the Rovers last win the League Cup? Um... 2012 That was 13 What is the capital of Serbia? Montenegro Uh, Belgrade Which cult TV series created by David Lynch in the early 90s is being revived this month? Only fields and horses (laughs) Twin Peaks How many grams in an ounce? Many grams in an ounce? Um, ten. Twenty-eight. How many N's are in Glenn Cronin's name? Many what? How many N's? Letter N. Three. Four. It's just two N's in Glenn. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> name the four Europa League semi-finalists. Monaco. Juve. That's the Champions League. So Europa League I'm looking for. Europa League. Uh, United. Um, United, Celta Vigo. And... United, Celta Vigo. Ajax. And Leon. Yeah, that's correct. If a player has a shot that deflects off the referee's head, goes into the net. What's the decision? Should the goal stand, or should it be a drop ball that restarts the game from when the shot was taken? Goal. Yep. Goal stands. Name all four members of the Beatles. Uh, 
John Lennon. First names will do. I'll give you points. What's that? First names will do. If you only have first. Uh, John Lennon. That's so I don't know the rest of them. <laughs> it's John, Paul, George, and Ringo. And last question: What is the minimum age one must be to contest the Irish presidential election? There's a referendum on it recently. Twenty-five. Thirty-five. I'll count your score now. One, two. Three points. Three out of ten. <laughs> So we beat Galway 2 0 in Tala. So well done, Carl. You finally got a prediction, Roy. Hallelujah. Mm. Uh, I thought we grew into this game. It was a beautiful night for football. First half hour was very poor, but then Gary Daddy Cool Shaw stroked a volley into the bottom corner, and um, he's nearly front runner for play of the year, I think. He's been absolutely brilliant the last four or five games, especially. Yeah, he's uh, on fire at the minute. Galway must hate him at this stage. Yeah, he's, he, he always bangs one in against them. Uh, he does so much right. His touches, his runs, flick-ons, and he tracks back. I mean, if I was him, I'd be getting a hold of Kevin Horgan after training, and I'd be just practicing shots for an hour. And, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. We love Gary on the show. We're big fans of him, and we're, but we're just calling it how we see it. And he does so well to get into the right positions. I mean, he had two glorious chances versus Galway. A header, and I think it was like a tap-in volley in the box. Yeah. Could have had a hat trick easily, so if he took his chances, I mean, we'd be naming our prize from. There'd be clubs coming coming in without a doubt. So, as Brazier says, one of these days he is going to get a hat trick. I'm telling you, he's he's going to start finding like like he is in form, but he's going to start scoring more goals. I'm, I'm telling you, it's 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 going to happen. Yeah, goal. We were kind of poor. I think they maybe looked tired, and it was a low key game, especially in the first half. There was a very slow tempo to it. Yeah, they didn't uh, really impress us, you know. Compared to the first 20 minutes of every home league game so far this season, even Derry, when we didn't play it that well, the first 20 minutes we were really good. We were pressing high and all over them. Yeah. That first 20 minutes was very uneventful. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was really poor, but like I said, we grew into it. And it was good to see us finish strongly. You should have came into the Glenmalorris with me at halftime. See who was in there? No, no, I was too engrossed in the programme. That was old JD himself, John Delaney. John Delaney. Do you know, I hope he paid in. I hope we didn't let that. F- I hope we didn't let him in for uh, for free. And uh, we had a few songs for him in the second half. You yeah, know, you know the ones. We know the ones. Yeah, yeah the Maroon Army joined in as well. Uh, fine, coming our way, I'd say. Uh, the Brando goal, not a bit of magic from Bork and Brando. Sounds like a a detective duo, doesn't it? <laughs> Bork and Brando. Uh, he really is the best finisher we have. He scores small angles and. Uh, He's the best finisher at this club since Twig, boy a mile, I yeah. think. Think about the big name Shikers that have passed your Adoras since Twig. Yeah, so what do we do now? I mean, do we start playing Brando in the centre? Do we drop work? 
Do we play Bork out wide and then we drop Mean and it means the, jo- the joys of being manager? Brando has his work out from. I thought we had our strongest team, but there is room for slight movement up top. Yeah, some people feel Burke is hit and miss, which is probably true, but I still keep him in there because he's liable to do what he did in Bunkrana at any moment, you know? Yeah, that's that's the that's the chance you're taking if you do leave him out of the team. That, that bit of uh, spontaneous brilliance. I don't know what's going on with the PA, but it's very, very loud. Yeah, very loud. <laughs> and uh, um, my friend Jimmy had a suggestion for me, actually, because, you know, the way we missed that goal against Sligo, because we were in the yep. 89-9 suite, or even in the Glenmore. It'd actually be cool that there was an announcement of the second half. It's just about the start. Yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. Like the players are on the pitch ready to tip off or something. Yeah, no, that's not too bad. I think that'll be handy. Dan Devoyne. Uh, we need to talk about Dan. <laughs> well, that was the only change from the the team that Bradley played against Bows and Derry. It was Devine in for the injured Lopez, and he was you got the hook at half time. He seemed not that he, no one wants to get sent off, but it was like he was he was determined to get sent off. I mean, he was gassed after about thirty minutes. We turned to each other and said, "He's huffing and puffing. He's he's really struggling out there." He could have been sent off twice. Yeah, easily. He um, kept getting turned and was diving in. Just oh, it was a nightmare. Yeah, really, really poor. Now maybe struggling for fitness. I'm not too sure, but um, it's a great show by Brad's at the pull him. Let's be honest. Yeah, definitely. Could have gave him 15 minutes in the second half and could have been sent off. So it was a great show. It was a uh, gutsy to to pull him and Bone did a great job when he came on. Yeah, he looked very composed. And remember, this guy is how old? 18, 19, 18. I think. Still eligible for the 19s, and he looks really assured. So. We could have a bit of a star in our hands there. And you finally got your wish, Gar, for 10 minutes at least. Lukey at centre-back. Ah, uh, he, was, he was mercurial at the back, wasn't he? I reckon we could see him there. See, we, we can't, we're going we're gonna to struggle with our starting 11s because it's currently Wednesday morning. But we'll talk about that in, uh, later on. But we don't know, we're not too sure about the team news at the moment. We don't know who's injured and who's not, who has a knock. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, good to keep a clean sheet with what was, you know, a makeshift defence. Yeah, pretty much. Our clean sheets prior to this, they had been against ten man Sligo and a Bowes team and no strikers. Mm. Nothing to shout about. So, so we we pretty much ended up with uh, a left full and a centre midfielder playing playing centre half. Yeah, so it was a good start to the second series. Three wins out of four. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think we're going to get a good points haul in this series. We can try and uh, move up the table. Uh, Connolly, the referee from the. The Derry game, he was actually fourth official for Galway. And uh, apparently Bradley had a, a long chat with him beforehand. Uh, I wonder if the this loud goal came up. Yeah, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. That, I had to have. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know what? Hopefully Connolly turned around and said, listen, I got it wrong. I apologise. But uh, now we're going to move on to the Dunster interview, which I enjoyed thoroughly. And uh, so here we go. Roll that out. Okay, I'm here with Paul Dunahill, a.k.a. Dunster. So I'm going to ask you first about this season. Uh, you've missed a few games because you've been studying, but from what you've seen so far, what's your impressions of this squad? And what's your hopes and expectations for the season? Yeah, I think, I think with, from speaking to other people, like I think mine is pretty much the same as everyone else's. That we've kind of seen in patches like how good this team can be. Like we've seen particularly against Cork. Uh, I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Like I remember, I thought we. Were, I was so absolutely. I was so happy leaving a game that we lost because I was so happy with the performance but then you take the Finn Harps game 
and I'm walking out completely frustrated in the game that we won and I think that kind of sums up that team at the moment it's just I think we all know what they're capable of like and there's so many talented individuals like within the team and enough I know Stephen Bradley's always talking about leaders and there are leaders in that team but sometimes you just need someone to take the game but the game by the scruff of the neck and go and win it but like I think we like to be honest with you, we're a work in progress it is pretty much a work in progress and I think if we get Europe it'd be absolutely brilliant cup run and if we can I know the draw for the, the late cup the sports cup wasn't great getting getting Cork at home but if we can win one of them cups and get into Europe I think that would be a really good uh, good way to stay out the season So how did you get into Rovers and do you remember what your first game was? Um, I don't remember what my first game was I honestly it's, I'm going to say it was like the 83-84 season uh, my dad started going to watch Rovers in the 40s so like my dad and he's still a season ticket holder still a member still come to the games so my dad started bringing me about uh, yeah, probably 83, 84. The first game I actually really remember was probably the 84 Cup Final, the nil all draw <laughs> with UCD. Uh, for some reason, I remember that, and I remember the replay. Uh, they're, they're, I don't think it was my first game, but that's the first one that I really, really remember now. The only Cup Final we lost, Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was funny now. But like my brother always laughs because my my brother obviously still comes to the game as well, but. He's always saying like I was really lucky because my dad started bringing him in the in the McMegan years. So <laughs> he just he never saw us win Anthony. I think he saw us win a cup, and he said as soon as I started getting brought to games, he started winning. So I was really lucky <laughs> in that regard. So yeah, no, so like I would have always kind of gone with my dad for years and years and years, and uh, probably like most kind of teenagers are kind of lost not lost interest for a while but other things took away and then when Rovers moved back into Talca then in the mid 90s I started going back down again and I've been going to be going to have ever since now I'm home and away well this year it hasn't been great because I've got some brilliant idea about bettering myself and going back and studying so I haven't been as I said I've tried to get to as many games as I can this season but I've just kind of had my head in the books for the last couple of weeks but I'm still pretty much home and away are you originally from Crumlin? No, I'm from uh, Moreno. My oh. dad, my dad's from Crumlin. Got my dad, amazing, so. what? I got wrong information. No, my dad, my dad's actually from Crumlin. My dad grew up on Salt Road. He actually lived next door to the Wilsons, and my dad would have gone to games with Jack when they were with Jack Wilson when they were teenagers. So, so that's that's that was our, my that's where my Rovers connection came from. Like my dad's from Crumlin, yeah. and I I got later on in the uh, the Pride of Rings End football tournaments. I got drafted in to play with the Crumlin Hoops, so that's how. So we're kind of. I'm not. I'm not actually from Crumlin, but there's a little bit of Crumlin in me. Put it that way. We know why I ask because our <laughs> show is based in Crumlin. So <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> so next, I'll ask you, what was your favourite Rovers game? I, I I have to say it's just the game in Belgrade. I was just like I was one of the lucky, well, forty odd people that were there, and it was just it was just magic, like. There's like I've never like in all my life I've never experienced anything like it. Like just the trip itself was great. It was great to see like for all the fears we had about their fans and all that. It was great. Like we were out drinking and everything like like you would in any other city. It was brilliant. And then I just think we went over. Like I thought we'd done really well in the first leg, but I thought they they might have had another couple of gears and and I thought like I was going over more and. 
hoping than an, any anticipation of getting that over there. And the way the game started, uh, like we kind of we looked very nervous. I remember uh, his name Ryan Thompson shanked a kick out and ended up with a one on one, and your man missed it. And then they scored a couple of minutes later, like and uh, so it was just, just and then just a surreal atmosphere. The game, like cause their fans are just brilliant. Absolutely, just a noise out them the whole time. Like, very intimidating. Very inti- yeah, it was intimidating. But we, and even like we were up in the we were up in kind of we weren't in the regular away section. It would have been like what was it, maybe a family section or a corporate section. So we were just surrounded by like families and. But even they were like giving us the fingers and fucking whistling at us and everything when we tried to sing. It was just like noise the whole time. And then just for like when Sully scored that goal, it was just like mental. Like it was absolutely mental. Like we were all kind of going mad. And then you kind of remember you're surrounded by twenty thousand, <laughs> leaving to take serves. Like and then then just when we got the penalty and scored, like it was just I just I literally I. Was, we celebrated the goal and I just literally sat there with my head in my hands like I didn't watch like the last well like that last couple of but for a minute or two it was just like too much I've heard <laughs> some people say they really actually was. walked out of pubs and things they just couldn't handle it yeah. it was actually too much I actually couldn't it's hard to describe what it was it was just going to like every sense was just was gone like it was just mad and then it was just brilliant and then obviously we got to go back and watch the game in the pub with the players and all and back at the hotel with the players and all that like and it was just what it meant and kind of it was a great culmination of since maybe 2005 when we took over the club when you saw how close we were to to, to, to not having a football club to like there you are six years later and like we've qualified for the group stages of the Europa League beating one of the most famous like, I know they're not probably not the biggest club in Europe anymore but I think Partizan Belgrade are still a very famous very big club in Europe so just the whole circumstance and it's the fact that it was a culmination of something that we'd achieved not just the players but as a group of fans what we'd achieved to get ourselves there it was just, it was just un- unbelievable I don't think I'll ever experience anything like it again there was a good quote in Tal time actually of you uh, hugging past Sullivan and the stewards were kind of looking at this thinking you know, you wouldn't see that over here. Yeah, yeah, because they're, uh, it was very, like, very heavy, the security was mad, like, and you could see that there was kind of, at the end of the game, uh, like, obviously, we were very, we were very protected where we were, and but you could see, like, the players were getting, like, dogs abuse off their fans, but then you could see the game, you could see it slowly switching, and, like, they just turned on their players, like, completely like and it's I don't know it was, it, you could see that yeah it was it was I don't think they kind of got the connection that we had with with that group of players that was there at the time like and yeah but that was a, f- a funny moment because most of them were still in their were in their wife fronts as well at that point because they'd fucked their their socks and their shorts and their jerseys and everything in so yeah so I remember Roy starting walking around in his air uh, in his in his wife once as well and yeah and I got a hug off it's funny now because I still uh, I don't know what what Sully's doing now but he he works near me now so I always see him walking around so I'm I'm most tempted next time (laughs) give him a hug (laughs) so uh, one of your favourite seasons I believe is the 2006 first division yeah yeah so do you have any particular memories or stories from that season yeah I I think the, the no, probably the, the first game of the season, the one against Dundalk and Talker Park. It was brilliant because we'd, we'd kind of gone down and 
no one was happy that we got relegated, but I think everyone saw it as a, a really good way of consolidating what we had. Of, but we still we were still like where people going to show up, and like the fact that I think there was like was there like two and a half thousand people in Talca back at that day, and it was a brilliant atmosphere. And uh, the fact that we went one nil down, and then it was it was a really Willie Doyle and and Jamie Duffy got the two leg goals and like and everyone went mad. And it was brilliant and we was like and everyone, I think at that point everyone knew like it set us up perfectly for that season and like everyone knew like it was gonna be uh not that we're gonna be alright but that we, we we managed to get a big crowd, we got a good win. So it was that that was a really, really great night. And I think the other one that stands out on that was the second game away to Limerick. Where I think we beat them two 0 uh, Andy Myler, I think, got both the goals. The second one, I think, uh, I think the second one, he hit a volley, controlled it on his chest or on his, just controlled it on a member and hit a volley from about 25 yards. And where we were, there was just a car park behind us. And I remember it was me and Dave Bourne, and the two of us just, just ran <laughs> back into the car park, and we were jumping around. It was, a, it was, and it was a really important win. And then we got back on the bus, and we'd heard that Monaghan had beaten Dundalk. So I think I think at that point we knew that uh, like we just needed a draw or whatever down in in Cove to pretty much clinch the league because we knew I think our goal difference was far better. So yeah, so probably that first game against Dundalk and then uh, that that win in Limerick and obviously the night in Cove was was brilliant as well. It was a really good night that as well. Like, yeah. I was looking at a video earlier of uh, Pat Scully talking to the fans afterwards. Absolutely won the title. Now, if you were you in the crowd for that? Yeah, I was. I was there for that. I kind of we'd gone down and, uh, and like when Robert fans were like that that season. It was funny because uh, he was the perfect man for the job. Pat Scully. I just think. Uh, and you did hear that a lot, like people going, "Ah, like people going, ah, you have to play. F- this is Rovers. You have to play football. You have to play football." And uh, and he was dead right. He says, "This is Rovers. We we fucking win." And I think that's that's a mentality that Rovers should always have. Like I'm all for like pretty football, and but sometimes there's more than one way to skin a cat. And uh, I think I thought Pat Scully just did an absolutely brilliant job that season. Like uh, I love that team. I don't even love that season I love that team I heard uh, all 35 players yeah, yeah. well yeah because I heard Gary last week was saying that he didn't like he didn't like uh, Detzer I love Derek Penn <laughs> I know he's playing for Bows now but I did I, lo- I loved everyone like, I kind of there's all I just I, thought, I loved that team I thought that team was fucking brilliant and I'm, I actually there's a game here a couple of must have been last season I think we got beaten and we got into a taxi and it was Pascal he was driving the taxi and I told him that night I told him I loved that team so I love that team. <laughs> so uh, final question. It's a tough one. Who is your all-time favourite Rovers player? Uh, I was uh, like I was kind of lucky that my dad started bringing me like in the eighties, and uh, I love Pop. I love Pop Bourne. Uh, I always remember that I, ju- I just thought Pop Bourne was brilliant because I, co- I was I played football. I was quite small when I was a kid, and that was the thing about Pop Bourne. Like he wasn't. Them out in an intimidating midfielder, he was quite diminutive, and but he was absolutely brilliant on the football. And I always remember my cousin John Paul. He won he won two tickets for uh, it was in some competition. They used to be camp something out in UCD, but we ended up at Pat Bourne's soccer school. So I ended up getting coached by Pat Bourne for uh, two days. It was brilliant. <laughs> that was that was brilliant. And then I loved Mick Bourne as well at that time, and now Larkin. Uh, 
I, I, that was brilliant. But I think I still think Gary Twig. I don't think I can see past Gary Twig. Uh, it's just I just loved watching him score goals. I, I, if I ever get bored, it's the first thing I do. It's go onto YouTube and just watch Gary Twig score goals. And I know this is going to sound terrible, but just the way he smiled, his celebrations are great. The way he smiled, he, you could see that he just loved scoring goals. Like, like kind of the same way that people used to give out about Pippo and Zaggy. The way he'd score a goal from like two yards and he'd, he'd celebrate like he scored a World Cup. And Gary Twig was the same. Like, it doesn't matter whether it was against Bowles or whether it was a tap in against Cove Ramblers. He just loved scoring goals. And I think that's really important in football to have someone who just doesn't matter where the goal is in after hours or whatever like they just love scoring goals but I'd have to say definitely Gary Twig my favourite and that was Dunster spoke very well didn't he yeah I love chanting Dunster uh, I mentioned that Pascoli speech deliberately you know the one where he says we're shamrock growers we play football we feckin win things yeah and the the most memorable thing I mean think about it this was a really really big season I mean getting relegated to that division can be a death blow and they just got up, get a result in Cove, and your manager's about to make an epic speech. And then just as he's speaking, someone shouts, Shows your Mickey! <laughs> Honestly, I laughed out loud for for like 10, 15 minutes. One of the funniest things ever. Now, we, we weren't in Cove, but uh, it, was, it was hilarious. Yeah, Scully was the perfect man for that, for that job. Right man at the right time. Yeah, a lot, a lot of Rose fans still have Holman high regard as well. Knocking around in the taxi, I think he's still coaching IT Tala as well. Yeah, famous temper, of course. He famously threw a couple of players off the bus on the way to a game. Pender, I think, your favourite. Yeah, and uh, I, think, I think Royce could have been involved in that, was he? Possibly, yeah. Before we move on, if anyone could confirm the players and any inside info on Scully's famous... Uh, Incident with the bus and throwing players off, that'd be really cool. So if anyone yeah. anyone knows that, get on to us. Tales from the East End at gmail.com. Um what else have we got? We have some other midweek results. Uh Pat's lost three one at Finn Harps and they are struggling. They mm. are really struggling. I saw some of their fans thinking they've turned the corner. Friend of Mark is a Pat's fan, he thinks win. they've torn a corner every week. And delusion. I just thought no, they'll probably lose to Harps now. But uh, Bowles lost two one home to Limerick, which uh, I mean, the, no, the only team that has hit form is is Cork. I mean, everybody else's form is all over the place. They beat Bray last week away, and then they lose two one home to Limerick. You know, late on goal scored by Dan Bourne. So I mean, yeah. think there were decent enough results for us regarding our position in the table, wasn't mm. it? Limerick don't need Roy Keane after all. A quarter of a million they allegedly offered him. I'd love to know if that's true. Mm-hmm. And they got Neil McDonald in, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, former assistant to Sam Allardyce, Big Sam. Nice troll back to Big Sam's time at Limerick. In yeah, the 90s. he won the fourth division. Yeah. And then went on to, who did he go to, Carl? Preston, I think. Mm. Uh, Giles and Dunphy were there in Denny Mount. Dunphy went to a, a League of Ireland ground. I believe so, yeah. And uh, Ollie Horgan was there too, watching on with no shoes. Yeah, I saw that was brilliant. Hashtag best league in the world. Yeah, really getting into the vibe over there, isn't it? The <laughs> yeah, the crusty hippie crusty club, as you call it. The hippie crusty club. That description went down well. I heard. Yeah, Forky loved it. I, thought, I always thought he was a crusty lefty, but uh, apparently not. <laughs> uh, 
there was a couple of questions asked on the Rovers chat on Facebook if you had to choose who to go down Bowles or Pats and personally I mean I'd love to see Bowles go down eventually and have a little stint but I'd go for Pats if I, was, if I had to choose I'd say Pats and handy few points off Bowles for a few years I mean we st- that means we'd still have a decent derby I mean let, let's be honest Pats is only a derby on paper there's no real hatred there or rivalry is there yeah I'd feel the same I'd prefer Pats to go down uh, especially after that banner Balls, they went down now away from Daily Mount. God knows when they come back, but it's it's something you could talk about for for hours because there's there's so many pros and cons to it, and especially with Balls. I mean, if Balls went down, and um, would would they even go ahead with their new stadium? I mean, obviously the council want to want to get a hold of that and and build and redevelop Daily Mount, but um, I don't know if you saw the attendance figures recently, but Shelburne only have. About a hundred higher average than Cabin Teely at the moment. That's terrible, isn't Talca it? Park. It really is. They have really fallen. But uh, we're looking at the league table, and we're four points off four place, and six points off second. So we're we're right in there with a chance. I mean, so we get a good run of results, could see us shoot up the table, and the bottom half of the table is tight as well. And the relegation battle is going to be very interesting. It's crazy how clustered it is down there. Yeah, Dan Fulham was uh, telling me, showing me all about it. He he. He's quite a bit of a stat man himself, as uh, regards to the, like the Europa League and things Especially like that. Especially the coefficients. Yeah, 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 he's really good with that. But it's it's really interesting down the bottom of that, down the, the relegation battle. It's there really were, interesting. There were five teams on fourteen points at one stage, and Drogheda were at the bottom, and then a point was enough to move them up to eight. Mm, yeah, it's, it's all about not being sucked into it. Yeah, there's three teams close to the top of the first division too, which really begs the question: Why the hell did they scrap the playoff? It makes no sense. Uh, I, I mean, like I'm speechless here. What the FAI? They just what are they doing? What do they do regarding the league? You know, it's if they actually bring back that league split, I am done. I'm quitting the show. I'm deleting <laughs> my Twitter account <laughs> and go up with a can of petrol and stand outside the FAI <laughs> with that, a lawyer. That league split in the nineties was a debacle. It was awful, and the Europa League playoff. That'd be just as pointless. Right, I'm going to excuse, excuse the, the French, but that is bollocks. So you're telling me, let's say a team comes toward and a team comes forward, there could be 12, 15 points in the difference. Either way, one point is enough. The team above them has done enough to finish above them, therefore they are deserving of that spot. It shouldn't be a playoff. It's a shocking idea. A few years ago, there was a 19-point gap between 4th and 5th. Could you imagine... That fourth place team being forced oh, to play off. Imagine they, imagine they won it. How many points off are they? Nineteen. Nineteen points off, and they make Europe ahead of the. T- uh, it's just rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Like, we, like sure. we've been doing on this le- in this league for fifty years now. I will increase the twelve teams. I will reduce the ten teams. Oh, maybe, maybe yeah, three points for a win instead of two. Yeah, they really don't know what they're doing. Um, at Lawrence. Athlone Stadium was uh, broken into and they had foils ransacked so another twist in the Athlone saga I wonder what foils were missing hmm very interesting very convenient timing there mm. I would say I think it's uh, I think it's brilliant this whole saga I think it's absolutely brilliant it's just always this, this, there's more twists in this tale I'm telling you Roddy will be Roddy will be, uh, be involved in somehow 
Uh, who else have we got in the news? Former Hoop Danny North has signed for Cleethorpes Town in the Northern Premier League Division 1. The 8th tier of the English League and they are paying him in points of Stella and Scampi for us. I didn't know that. That's a good scoop. <laughs> Uh, Garrett McCaffrey left another former hoop Garrett McCaffrey had left, has left Drada uh, apparently it was in dramatic circumstances I'm not too sure apparently there was a rail involved there yeah that was a strange one yeah so uh, and they really they rate him really highly so he might be following Fenland again to Waterford yeah there you go it could be it could be there's money there isn't there mm-hmm. I mean Kenny Brown was tempted away from Cork of all teams but then again he is a Waterford lad so he could just want to play closer to home and another former Hoop Alamanis has signed a one year contract with St. Johnson. So, Rovers legend, in my opinion, superb keeper and a beast of a man. Had a very successful stint as our number one. Yeah, big guy was great. Had a tough time winning over the fans initially, though, didn't he? Yeah, people weren't happy with Baz being, uh, you know, phased out. But uh, What else have we got? We've got a couple of players uh, available on free transfers. We have Pat Hoban, Dave Mooney, Mark Yates, Paul Keegan, and Gary Deegan, the former. Formidable Bowles midfield pairing of Paul Keegan and Gary Deegan. They were they were actually really good together in that Bowles team. Uh, Mark Yates is a, a Tala lad, of course. Uh, Mark's dad, the late Stephen Yates, played for Rovers in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, Mark's actually a really good prospect years ago. Um, Spurs rated him highly and he's been knocking around for clubs for a while now. But he, he'd be quite, he'd be 31, 32 now. So it's it's not exactly the type of player we, we're trying to target, is it? I don't think any, I'd probably take Holborn. Holborn's a bit of a goal scorer, but Mooney, Rovers, I think Rovers fans are still split on Mooney after the way he left the club. So uh, Another loosely related Rovers story. I don't know if you saw this. Noel Hunt was in a, a dispute over a goal away to Italy that was scored many years ago. Uh, do you remember the famous one that Robbie Keane yeah, went down as his goal? It was oh. a late equaliser in Barry. Okay. And if you watch the replay, it's actually tough to see who strikes it. It's both, both Hunt and Keane go for it. Right. Obviously, Keane was going to gobble that one up. So it's gone to Keane, but Hunt really fought his corner for that goal. Like, he was on at the FAI. He was absolutely... He's, to this day, he's absolutely convinced that he scored it. And he has, I think, only three caps for Ireland. Okay. And no goals. And obviously, it was his dream to score for Ireland. Yeah. And he said he was on the phone to FAI officials. And he said one of them did play for Ireland so he could play to him but another one Hunt just asked him like have you ever played for Ireland have you ever scored for Ireland and he said no well don't be ringing me don't talk to me no don't way. know what you're talking about yeah you don't know what it means that type of thing probably just some suit ringing him up you know some some fellow with a handy number in the FAO probably Delaney's nephew or something you know um, our under 19s lost 4 1 at UCD. A uh, bit of a hammering, but Dean Dillon on the score sheet. Hopefully, they can bounce back from that. Tough game coming up, but um, cracking under 17s game at Tala. Connor Bean, long time hoop since he is 9, snatching a late winner for Rovers after Cork had pulled back a two goal deficit. That's uh, five wins and a draw now for the under 17s. Yeah, 17s are looking good. Jason Maloney was there and he said Captain Connor Bean, who's been there at the club since he was nine years old, was the coolest man on the pitch as he slotted home. It led to wild celebrations with the players at the car park end, corner flag, and had everyone in the main stand on their feet. So they looked like being only one winner when the momentum swung to Cork City but the lads but the lads typified their manager Stephen Royce's never say die attitude. So nice to see Brads and McPhail Tomer and our goalkeeping coach, who some would have you believe they doesn't exist. 
applauding the players of the pitch at the end. So uh sounded quite epic, didn't it? Yeah, sounds like a cracker of a game. Uh, a late a late winner against Cork. Let's hope we can uh, mm. we can follow on that trend. And uh, how how do we d- describe that midfield performance by Smithers? Excellent. Uh, a few players are missing as well. We had Andy Spain and Conor Grant playing for the Ireland under 16s who beat Northern Ireland 4-2. So more call-ups and all good news there regarding our roadstone development. Um, the new match day graphics for the underage teams as well. That looks brilliant. It's really professional and it gives them a face. So we'll know who these guys are now if they score a goal, if the team sheet is out, their faces are there, their names are there. So it's it's a really good idea. Yeah, definitely. Our under-19s have a tough one. Uh, play Cork on Saturday. So we're playing Cork on the Friday with the senior team and the 19s are playing them on Saturday at 6pm which is a fantastic time for a game. So if you're not doing anything there get on down to Tallis Stadium 6pm go see the 19s and then off our points or whatever it is you fancy doing on the Saturday night. And then our under-17s are away to Kerry on a Sunday at 2pm. Now next up we have the best stats in the world. Now, against Galway, Dan Devine made his first appearance in Sligo on April 14th, so it's been a while since he's played, and Ryan Connolly came on for the first time since Cork on St. Patrick's Day, that unfortunate 2-1 loss where we dominated. Yeah, apparently the doctors told him that he, uh, he could be forced into an early retirement with that foot injury. Yeah, he was he was uh, hinting at something, saying that he had this peculiar injury, that something about the joint on his foot, or maybe that the, what connects his ankle to his leg something like that but um, he hadn't kicked the ball in six weeks when I spoke to him so it's it's good to see him back on the pitch and kicking the ball yeah it's great to see him back Rovers won a home league game by more than a one goal margin for the first time since the 4-2 victory over Galway in September and Gary Shaw Gary Daddy Cool Shaw scored his 10th league goal for Rovers and four of his last six were against Galway so he loves a goal against Galway and Brando is the club's top goal scorer officially and uh, with six goals in all competitions. So Brando was starting to show the form that dazzled us in his fourth season with the club. Uh, we've only Dave Webster, who has played in each of the last 17 competitive games, going back to Dundalk on the opening day. So Dave is our ever-present, which could be in doubt now for Friday. Took a knock. Yeah, it's only Kilkenny that he missed, but then everyone missed that, except Gary Shaw. Yeah, except Shawzy. Uh, Rovers used five different centre-back pairings across the Derry and Galway games. So we had Webster and Lopez, we'd Webster and Heaney, we'd Webster and Devine, we'd Webster and Bone, and we'd Bourne and Bone. Yeah. yeah it's quite a, quite a change-up, isn't it? Uh, only Galway have taken a point off Cork in their last 15 league games so far. So only Galway, who we dispatched quite easily. And Cork City's last league defeat was by a score of 4-1 in Bray on the final day of last season. So that's Bray of the Bray of the last ones to beat them. Uh, Cork began the 1990-91 league season with a 20-game unbeaten run until Rovers ended it with a 4 0 win at the RDS. I'll settle for that. That's I'll a settle. famous one, yeah. Yeah, I'll settle for a 4 0 win. That'll do. And Rovers in 1924-25 and 1926-27 are the only League of Ireland club to go a whole season unbeaten, invincible. And it's happened nine times in Northern Ireland, but not since Glen Torren in 1980 and 81. Yeah, that's great stats there, really. Loving these invincible stats. Thank you, Sir Parsons. In that uh, 1924-25 season, we actually went unbeaten in all competitions. All competitions? That was League Shield and FBI Cup. Jeez, it's super on, isn't it? 
Uh, Cork have only conceded seven league goals compared to Rovers' 22. That does not make good reading. <laughs> no, no, a lot of these aren't going to make good reading, so brace yourself. Mm. This is the fourth time this season that Rovers have been on zero goal difference. A loss immediately followed week 2, 4 and 13. And Cork have won 14 straight home league games, scoring 50 goals in the process. It's a lot of goals. Yes. <laughs> Rovers have lost five of their seven away league games. And we won Galway. We beat Galway and we beat Bowes in our only two wins away from home. Then we have Colin Healy, 37, was the Premier Division's oldest outfield player before he retired. And it's now his uh, city teammate, Alan Bennett, who's 35 in seven months. And he's 11 days older than Sligo's Rafael Cretaro. And uh, what, what else have we got? We have Braze, Gary McCabe and Cork, Stephen Dooley are the most sub-players in the league, coming off 10 times each. Yeah, our most withdrawn player is Gary Shaw, seven times. He runs himself to the ground, so it's uh, it's I'm, I'm not surprised there. He, he he really does put in put in all the work. Uh, under under John Caulfield, Cork have lost just one out of their ten league meetings with Rovers, so it's a happy hunting ground for Caulfield, keeping the clean sheet in eight of them. So we've only scored in our last ten league meetings. We've only scored against Cork twice. Yeah, it was the three 0 win and the two one defeat. Uh, in March mm. so we have Sean McGuire who scored 6 goals in his last 3 games against Rovers but I reckon we'll put a stop to that just boot him into the stand it's the best way to do show him he's in the game uh, in their last 5 games against Cork Rovers have fallen behind in the 4th the 4th the 7th and the 7th minute drawn the other nil all now we're the ones scoring early this season so far really aren't we it'll actually be a small victory if we can make it to the 10th minute that's 0-0 <laughs> in this game in 10 minutes Jesus yeah. yeah so we have Rovers last win at Turner's Cross was in June 2013 when Ronan Finn scored in a 2-1 victory and uh, I'll take the next one yeah you, uh, like the, you like this one girl yeah Stato's dream this one alright here we go Rovers have scored at least one goal in 14 consecutive games in all competitions that equals their runs in the year 2000 and 2009 if Rovers can make it 15 in a row on Friday It'll be the best run since a run of 29 games from September 1983 to March 1984. Jeez, so our best goal scorer run in how long? Yeah, it'll be our best run in 33 years if we score in Cork. I reckon we will as well. I'm confident. I'm quietly confident. And we haven't had a scoreless draw in any away league game since May 2015 at Turner's Cross. So, there you go. But uh, we're going to move on now. That, w- that was the stat package. Brilliantly put together by the prof as usual. And we're going to move on to starting 11s and predictions. <laughs> now these starting 11s and predictions all depend on injuries at the moment. So it's kind of hard to call. Um, we're not too sure about team news at the moment. Well, Bradley so. said that Webster would be alright. So Webster's in. Okay, that, that helps. Uh, not too sure about Lopez. So... Now I'm going to call out my team now. It's going to be Tomer in goal with Luki at fullback with Simon Madden on the other side. Uh, Lopez and Webster send their half and the, Webster's okay. So uh, if Pico's injured, we're going to throw Bone in there. Finn and Davey Mack in the middle. I'm going to go with Meenan and Clark on the wings with this one and Brando just behind Shaw. Now it might be harsh to drop Bork. But I think he could be a big impact sub. And like what Michael O'Neill used to say, it's a 14-man game. And um, he's going to be our impact sub. And 
if if he's needed. I think Brando's just. I think he might be that little bit more effective down the middle playing off Shaw. So I think we'll nick a one 0 win. Uh, scoring into the Rovers end. Daddy Cool Shaw with the winner. Jumping into the crowd to celebrate with the hooped faithful scenes. Uh, I'll go for the same attacking players and send it back. Uh, same situation. I I'd be okay with Bone if Lopez is injured. But uh, no, I like I like Burke in the team. I agree with you. It could be a good impact sub, but uh, I I like him to start the game. Uh, Paul Curry looks like he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. Could be another operation or yeah, laser treatment, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. He can't he can't catch a break at the moment. As for a score, I will say a one-all draw. One-all draw. Uh, the glass is always half full with you, Ronnie. Of course. <laughs> Uh, so we're at home to Cork in the League Cup semi-finals as well. That's on Monday, August seventh. Yeah, the FBI Cup isn't until August either. So no domestic cup football for a while. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm quite confident of beating these guys at home. I know it's a long time away, but I'd uh, I I take a League Cup at this stage. Actually, anyone would take it, wouldn't they? Uh, we also have a friendly with Burnley at Tallaght on Friday, July fourteenth. So um, take all the Barstoolers' money. It's a good way of getting them in, isn't it? Yeah, there is the club if you Bob. Hendrick and, uh, and Brady, yeah. Chance to abuse Stephen Ward. Yeah, there you go. Big schnoz on him. And it's, uh, it's actually a Friday. It's the day before we travel to Limerick. And it's the day after the Europa League second qualifying round, if we make it that far. Yeah, we'll have a, I think, full of trialists, even if there is any trialists. Be 17s, 19s, and a great experience for them as well. Playing against internationals, and I, I reckon Burnley. And do you know what? Normally... These teams that come to tell it play play strong teams. I yeah, mean, they do because they're in their preseason. Yeah, and uh, Brasenville have played a full strength team. Yeah, somebody made the suggestion online that they'll come and play reserves, and that's that's never the case. So, I mean, look at Real Madrid as well. Real Madrid, is, I mean, I, I know it's hard to play a second string with Real Madrid. They they played huge. Like Ronaldo made his debut. Uh, who else was there? Newcastle came over as well, played a full strength team. Benzema scored in his debut. He could, yeah. yeah. There is actually a Dublin League game on the same night. Pats are home to Derry, which is unusual. Uh, speaking of international friendlies, uh, I assume we'd be going to Man United versus Sampdoria, Gar. Oh yeah, it's the highlight of the year, Carl. I can tell by the tone of your voice there. Who, like, who came up with this? Who came up with Sampdoria? And fair enough, they're they're a good Italian club, but who who came up with this? Twenty-one league titles between them, Gar. Twenty-one. Yeah, well, twenty for Man United and one for Sampdoria, but still twenty-one. <laughs> I mean, who came up with this fixture? Who was the organiser? I want to know who it is. Well, the football season ended last week, as we know. So the Irish public it needs something to go to, you know. I mean, these guys, right? They sit down and they think, okay, who who was the most amount of money we can get in, and how can we get fans in and sit down, bums on seats, pay the money in, and the best, no disrespect, the best they could come up with was some story. No disrespect to Sampdoria, I'm sure fantastic fans and, 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 and but for world appeal and international appeal, I don't think there's Sampdoria Sports Club in Dublin. As yeah. someone pointed out on Facebook, um it was seven hours of sport on Radio One on Saturday and League of Ireland coverage got about five minutes and yeah. it was mainly about Cork. And it's um it's embarrassing really and uh, off the ball how great League of Ireland coverage they have um They've Stewie Bourne on all the time, and 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 they talk a bit about it. If there's news, they'll talk about it. They cover the Atlanta saga quite uh, extensively as well. So it's 
they do they do talk but it needs more coverage to be honest yeah we mentioned the podcast as well in the way weekly so there's good stuff out there but as you mentioned the fan base just isn't that big is it RTE's coverage is quite it leaves a lot to be desired yeah Peter Collins that, that's just, that's just sums everything up Peter Collins you just said his name and I got angry <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about the Bray predictions now because that is on the Monday after the Cork game Tuesday actually Tuesday is it yep. there we go Carl that's why you're here uh, both teams are going to score I reckon I'm going to say 3-1 Rovers and uh, young Gary McCabe will be scored again but yeah no 3-1 Rovers I think we'll get a revenge for the 4-2 spanking they gave us out on the Carl I'll go for another 3-2 like the Harps one uh, we're not. We don't have too many stats, do we, for the Bray one? No, but I'll give you a couple before we go. Uh, one I like to dish out now and then. It's Bray won on their first visit to Bolt Milltown in 1985, and Tala in 2009. Oh, that's a feather in their cap. So on their debut in Milltown and Tala, they beat us. Yeah. And Bray have only scored one goal in their last eight visits to Tala, and that was a Dave Scully penalty. A Dave Scully penalty, and we were, I was actually watching Dave Scully uh, play for Bluebell in the Lancer Senior League this year, which was uh, which was a brilliant affair. The amount of permutations involved in that it was nuts. Decided it was crazy. Those people constantly on their phones because Mokta's ended up winning the boy a goal. I think it was on goal, on goal difference with Dean Kelly notching a few goals there. Yeah, they were level on goal difference going into the 90th minute, but they were winning on goal scored. Mokta's. But they they, uh, they knocked one him in more, anyway yeah. just to make sure. But the the crumbling game was uh, started off brilliantly. The um, one the players I think it was David Vickery uh, stuck a hand out blatantly and gave away a penalty red card and then Tony Griffith missed the penalty. So it was a it was a cagey affair from then on in. But crumbling ended up losing two one to Bluebell. So and you had a brother in law on each side. Yeah, so split loyalties. I didn't know what the. I, I was just watching quietly, but um, there was a couple of ex League of Ireland there. Jordan Keegan was there, he was playing ex Pats and Shells, I think so, and actually still a very good player. Uh, who else? There was Tony Griffith. He played for Longford and a couple of teams. There was Dave Scully. There was Andy McNulty. Playing. Uh, Dean Lawrence is playing as well former Rovers man so it was quite a few ex-League of Ireland there and it was a was it no it was a, it was a good game and like I said Leinster Senior League is great so it's it's good to get out and support the, the, the local leagues like that as well and, and you can pick a player there's some good players playing there so and you said our old friend Bocker was watching on he certainly was he, he seemed to be kitted out as well so I thought he might get a game but um, no I think that's it for this week's show Um, like I said we're on the Gary Twig Supporters Club bus again so great host and Paul and Dan so get your name down on a couple of spaces left great bus great lads and uh, hopefully we get to see you in Tornish Cross see you oh my old man's a dustman he wears a dustman's hat he wears gold blimey trousers and he lives in the council flat he looks a proper nana in his great big cocktail boots. He's got such a job to pull them up, but he calls them Daisy Roots. <laughs> some folks give tips at Christmas, and some of them forget. So when he picks their bins up, he spills some on the step. 
Now one old man got nasty and to the council wrote Next time my old man went round there he punched him up the throat Oh my old man's a dustman, he wears a dustman's hat He wears got blimey trousers and he lives in the council flat I say, I say, Les I, uh, I found a police dog in my dustbin. Well, how do you know he's a police dog? He had a policeman with him. <laughs> Though my old man's a dustman, he's got an art of gold. He got married recently, though he's 86 years old. We said, here, hang on, Dad. You're getting past your prime. He said, well, when you get my age, it helps to pass the time. Hey! My old man's a dustman, he wears a dustman's hat. He wears gold blimey trousers and he lives in a council fat.